Farm Friday episodes that are available two years worth now, free of charge to anyone on planet Earth if they can find their way to crusadechannel.com. By the by, Justin will begin the process of adding Free Farm Friday episodes today and then going backwards to the podcast feed of crusadechannel.com. Again, our emphasis is on best, greatest content that we can present to our wonderful listeners and viewers. And I think we started off this year with a bang, my interview with Paul Kangor, and that today, Mr. Clement, and my interview with Michael Hitchborn. Next Tuesday, folks, David Wimhoff here with us. And, of course, now we resume our talks with our wonderful master farmers, Brian Kay, and Mitter Monday. Which one do we have? Brian. Mr. Coke, Merry New Year! Merry New Year. I think How that you going? missed your calling, actually. You shouldn't be a biologist. You should be a cartoonist. <laughs> you are the king of the memes, sir. <laughs> well, I, I, I can't take credit for them. I, I, I redistribute them. Okay. <laughs> I laughed out loud at the egg one with the Kroger's. I <laughs> yeah, that one's pretty good. It's funny, you know. We, you know, we're talking about these eggs and how expensive they are. I'm like, it's like, you know, I, I, w I wish somebody would have been talking about that a few months ago when they were killing off all the chickens. Yeah, yes, you know? and, and someone was talking about this a few. Of course, he's being facetious. Can I say to you, uh, Maggie went and uh, visited with a friend of ours this week. And they live a pretty pastoral life out in Folsom, Louisiana. Those of you that are from around here, you know where Folsom is. And uh, they got to talking about the price of eggs. And, uh, and, they're, and they're out in this 10-acre spread, and there's chickens running around everywhere. And Maggie goes like, well, you don't have that problem. And she goes, uh, yes, I do. Because, you know, most people, Brian, most people that are farming chickens aren't throwing the tomato scraps and what have you from the table out to feed the chickens, or there's not enough of it. And they're having to supplement with chicken feed. And apparently, I guess the price of chicken feed has gone up. Uh, yeah. Um, let's see. I'm looking at bags of chicken feed right now that I purchased last week. Uh, there were 50-pound bags. $32.80 a piece, where in 2020 I was paying about 26 or $27 a bag for them. So, um, 
and and I and I use a little more expensive feed. I use non soy, non GMO feed, but still, I mean, what, what, what's that? Four or five dollars increase? Um, you know, it's it's uh it's 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 getting there, and uh, that's ten. Yeah, that's it, ten or twelve percent. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, it, fortunately, um. I don't know. I fortunately I've you know been able to supplement with other things and 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 learn different ways to cut down on on feed input. But still, it 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 does it does cost a lot. You know, I mean, you know, remember we talked about we you know before we saw this price increase, we talked about how much it costs to make a dozen eggs, and we you know we were already talking eleven or twelve dollars. I was going to say we wound up about uh, when we broke it down about a dollar per egg. Uh, if you divide up uh, all the labor costs, uh, the 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 factor in the cost of the land, the feed, the maintenance, and and you know everything uh, that that goes in, the tending to the the, the culling of the flock, because some of them are going to get sick. Speaking of which, um, the USDA exterminating flocks, entire flocks of chickens by the millions. Um, is there any justification for this whatsoever in your mind? No, no, and this—they did this in the depression as well. They did it with cattle. They did it with pigs and um, other livestock to keep to artificially keep the prices high. They said we got to keep these prices high to help the farmer. Well, is it really helping the farmer? You know, is it? I mean, what what's what's the justification for for you know? causing a price hike artificially like that you know there's 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 no justice in that so no there's there there isn't and you know they're they're going you know the, the bird flu what they're what caused a lot of these mass die or killings and they weren't die offs they're killings because I, I guarantee you not every bird that was killed was would sick. have tested positive right. for bird flu and the, and that and so and that's what they're doing. They had one positive test. They said, "Well, we'll have to kill the whole flock or isolate the whole flock, and eventually potentially kill it." So, so. Uh, yeah, uh, Maggie was telling me the story earlier. What's the woman's name who's got the farm? Knuckle bumps. Knuckle bumps. Knuckle bumps farm uh, she, in Florida. Brian, she lost her her her, her almost in her, her entire flock. Uh, the only critter that seemed to survive was Emilio, the uh, the emu. Well, yeah, and they probably did that to, because they knew she was a YouTube star and yeah. couldn't kill everybody. Yeah, so, so what they did was they killed her entire flock and left Emmanuel, the, the emu, because he is popular. They made her isolate him, and they said it's, you know, touch and go or whatever, and they said if he got any worse, they would come back and kill him. Yeah, 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 and the thing is, worse. I mean, was was he even sick? You know, that's that's the thing. It's the same thing with with COVID. You know, they tested you, but how many false positives did they see? All of them. Yeah, you know, <laughs> all of them. Yeah, so it, it, it's it's the same thing, and they're using the same PCR test because they know they can get a detect. They don't. It doesn't even have to be a live. A live detect. It just just has to say there's a presence of something here, and in the case with COVID, there's a, pre- a presence of a coronavirus here. Which how many hundred 
of different coronaviruses are out there. Oh, dude, there are, according to Dr. Shiva, trillions. Yeah. So, trillions. You can't so, count them. Yeah, and, 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 I've, and I've mentioned this before. You know, in, in the work I do, when we do bacteria source tracking, we use PCR methods to tell you tell us if it's a presence absence of cow E. coli, of chicken E. coli, of pig E. coli, or human. You know, that there's different markers that'll tell you what it is, and and, and it's a presence absence. And it's it and, and and the E. coli that we're looking at that it might not even be harmful. You know, we our gut is full of E. coli. And, and and the majority of it is not harmful. It's, you know, just those bad strains. It's just we look at E. coli because it's a good indicator of a, you know, a potential virus or, or something, you know, a pathogen. That's the only reason we look at it in water quality. That's right. It has nothing to, has nothing to do with the lethality or anything else. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's they, they knew going in that they had a test that could tell you that something is there. That's that's basically it. And it didn't tell you if you were sick or not. And and we we saw how I mean how many people. I, I there's tons of people that I know that, that I went and got tested. I tested positive, but I never had symptoms. No, my grandmother in law tested positive the other day, <laughs> and she stormed out of the doctor's office, going like, "This whole thing is rigged." <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, Maggie. So they've killed uh, a 44 million laying hands in the U.S. Just Fort, if that, no, 44 that's, million. No, no. Oh, that that won't that won't have an effect at all. Yeah, yeah, no effect at all. 44 million hands. Let's bring in our other co-conspirator, Master Farmer Mitter Monday from Central North New Jersey here. Uh, do this uh, first Free Farm Friday for 2023. Mid or Monday, Merry New Year to you. How are you, sir? Merry New Year. How are you, everybody there? <laughs> we are very Merry New Year, E E E and stuff. Well, uh, if you if you if you remember, miniature, I was complaining and worrying back at uh, Thanksgiving that they were going to take everything off of my farm because I had to have them checked for the. Uh, the bird flew in order to get them slaughtered. Yep. And I potentially was, was going to risk losing everything. But you uh, didn't. I didn't, no. But they did slaughter right around the Lehigh Valley area. They slaughtered a couple of million turkeys, which they claim was not going to affect this year's Thanksgiving, but it potentially could affect it could have affected the Christmas holiday. I don't know. Now, you know, if you do the math and you say 60 million, I think that's about the number, 60 million Thanksgiving tables, and you take five million birds out, uh, so uh, five million and sixty thousand. That's what uh, to to twelve uh, percent, almost twenty percent, fifteen percent. That's fifteen percent of the available stock. That is going to mean that you're going to have to raise turkey prices to compensate, so that you get people to not. Buy birds. Maybe someone who's going to buy two birds. Well, I ain't buying two birds at that price. So again, it is. A, they say to, to 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 benefit the farmer. Nothing that the USDA does benefits the farmer. It benefits the people that pay the USDA to say this is for the benefit of the farmer. Well, and you have you have to remember. I could do them myself. I think next year I'm going to employ the poll, and maybe we should just do them ourselves. But. 
I can still, you know, it doesn't affect humans. I can do that. I could sell them. They could be infected. You know what? doesn't matter. It's not going to bother you. It's not going to bother me. But that's... Well, I'm also going to cook it. (laughs) I'm going to heat it and probably kill it. Well, that's not a transferable virus at this point. So, I mean, it would not matter. And I said, they do the PCR test. I could demand, and when that happened years ago, where they they, they will come in and they will do, take some birds and they will slaughter them and do testing. And they actually did that and came back and said, yeah, you're right. There's nothing wrong here. And they left. Yeah, Maggie has a question. Yes. Okay, so my question is, is in an article I was reading, they were saying that... Um, some farmers have taken to spraying their birds with disinfectants to prevent them from getting the bird flu. One, what kind of disinfectant would that be? And two, what kind of effect is that going to have? Yeah, on does that production? work? Does that work? I, I haven't heard that at all, so I'd have to do research in it because I don't know that anything like that's going to have an impact. Yeah, that doesn't sound like, that sounds like a scheme to sell disinfectant. Brian, uh, anything? I haven't heard much on that, but y- you know what your best, Disinfectant of nature or sunlight. Sunlight. (laughs) Sunlight. That's right. Sunlight disinfects everything. That's right. (laughs) So, so I think we have a problem with confined chickens. That's the problem. There you go. That's that's the genesis of the problem. So, birds that are running around your yard uh, that escape the dogs, (laughs) birds that are running around your yard are out in the sun all day long if it's shining. Yeah. Yeah. And they are eating things that fight off infections. And they're, you know, scratching in the dirt that, you know, they're taking in good bacteria that kills bad bacteria and viruses and stuff. So, I mean, I, 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 think, I think, you know, I, I think we can draw back to what, what we know the problem is. And the solution is get the dang animals out of the, out of the barn and stuff. And it, I mean, it, it just... And and the other practical solution for uh, Jackie and Steve Smart and uh, Jesse Putnam and others is if you have the land and the availability and you have the the time and we all should be working on the time, grow your own meat chickens if it's possible. Learn how to get the equipment. Brian, what does it cost? Three hundred bucks for the uh, feather the the feather sprayer. Three to three to five hundred dollars. Uh, there's other one time investment. One. Um, yeah, yeah, because you can do the self-maintenance, and they, they, you know, they sell the parts and stuff okay. uh, on them. So, yeah, there's, they're, they're, you know, if you take care of it, you know, it, it'll, for the most part, they take, you know, they're, they're pretty, pretty reliable. So. And, and once you learn, I mean, I've seen enough photographs of your butchers and of the chicken ladies' butchers, and now of Steve and Jackie's butchers, and of Jesse Putnam's and others' butchers, uh, this can be done. I think it's it, 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 it's it, it's uh, something you get used to. And Dan, Dan Mundy's butchers, you get used to this. It just becomes a way of providing food for your table. You just do it. You get over the blood and guts, and you know I got to kill little. I got to kill Henny Penny today, <laughs> um, and you just do it. So I think the practical advice from Free Farm Friday is: number one, should all be campaigning for those massive farms where all those birds are deprived of sunlight and then sitting in 12 by 12 little cubicles just to, to provide us food we should campaign against that but not like PETA does and just say there is another way and you should explore the way so demand that kind of treatment humane treatment of the animals number one and number two let's all try if we're able to this year in 2023 
We have our master farmers here. You have the the signal group. You can't get questions answered in it. Brian will even drive, and, and Dan Monday will even drive to your place of farming if you really need the help. So, and there are others out there that will as well. Uh, this radio station and uh, this entity, uh, there are enough people to assist. If you want to grow meat chickens, I hazard to say, and you had the land and the motivation to do so, Brian, it is well within your skill set uh, that you can learn the skill set necessary to do so. That's our yeah. is that our, that's our practical advice for 2023. Agreed, Mittermundi? Mittermundi? You do want to say, if, yeah, if you're doing it for yourself, do them by hand. I can do six, eight birds an hour without breaking a sweat. So just okay. unless, unless you're doing 100 a week, you don't need the equipment. Okay. All you need is a couple of good, sharp knives. Good, sharp knives. But uh, let's move on here. I want to talk about this story um, that appeared uh, uh, yesterday or two days ago. By the way, today's Friday the 13th. I forgot to ask Mr. <laughs> I forgot to ask Mr. Clement, uh, Kyle Clement, about the origins of Friday the 13th. Or should anyone be nervous today? I don't think you should. Um, star athletes joined together to buy Iowa Farm. Four more in the works. Now, we might all disagree on some of this methodology here, what's ultimately going to be done. But I believe that this is a project for the upcoming 2023 Fellowship of the Clans, or whatever we're going to call it, Congress this year. The Angel Investor Group here, the Crusade Channel. And for those of you that have not contributed to the Angel Investor Group, uh, to convince the chicken lady, SCI's man, and David Simpson that, yes, we sat on the fence, but this is something that we want to get involved in. We want to try and do. And this, and, and let's set a goal by the end of this year. Somewhere in the United States, our group finds the finances to buy, our, even if it's 10 acres, and you do three three-acre families to agree to go farm it, what these guys are doing. Quarterback Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals, forward Blank Griffin of the Boston Celtics, and pitcher Kevin Gozman of the Toronto Blue Jays are among those making the investment in farms, according to KCCI Radio. According to Front Office Sports, the consortium, which includes about 20 other pro athletes, has created a pool of about $5 million that we, we use to invest in agricultural product, uh, projects. The first farm they bought was a 104-acre property in northern Iowa. will be leased to farmers who will actually work the land. The athletes investing in the project are looking for, this is a quote now, a single-digit percentage annual return on the total investment. Close quote. Uh, Dan Monday, I'm going to start with you. I think that this is a... Um, I think that this is a project that has... Potential. I think it's a way to put land that's in the hands of corporations and bad actors like Bill Gates and Monsanto and what have you into the hands of private uh, of private landholders. And the single-digit return to me doesn't sound like usury, and it doesn't sound like that's unattainable. But I'm not a farmer either, and we don't want to be farming for profit. We want to be farming for our our. our our, our, the health of our souls and the health of our bodies. But I am not opposed to this, and I think this is a positive development. Let's go around the table. Dan Mundy, what say you? Well, I, I, my, when I first got the article, started reading it, and it doesn't really get, go into into the reasoning why they want to do it, you know, other than a little cursory. And I'm, I'm, I am curious, you know, the individuals, what what they're thinking and what they what they. Uh, 
what, why, you know, what, what is it they're, they're, they're trying to get their money into that they think is, is beneficial and perhaps uh, uh, charitable? You're absolutely right. The thing I'm reading, I'm starting to read, I think, well, you know, I'm thinking what, what, what limitations, restrictions, are going to lease the land and all. Single-digit return. Boy, that's about as realistic as you can get, if you can get a single-digit return and not a fractional return. So, oh, you know, that, that means to me, if that's a true statement, then they're serious, and, and they want to do what I think for the right reasons. I would want to do a little more looking at it and see if we can find out, you know, individually what, what are their reasons, why do they think it's a good idea. But, hey, you can't get more realistic than that, Church. What do you, what do you hear me say? It's very capital-intensive. You, you, you've heard Mitter McClure. <laughs> we have a good example of a guy we can go to, Todd McClure. <laughs> yeah, I'm not picking on Todd at all, but there, there it is. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, it's... It, it, you're definitely not doing it for the money, uh, uh, you know. And uh, you know, as I said, restrictions. I don't, uh, are, are they going to try and get these guys to to adopt uh, a more friendly forms of agriculture? Or so you do more of the same guys. We just want to support you. Again, that's still not bad, but it's not as as, as where we would like to see it mutate towards. Well, we don't know yet. Uh, Brian Cook, Brian K, uh, what say you? Uh, yeah, I think it is a. A great idea. You know, it's kind of sad that it had to come to this because, I mean, true that. For, yes, true. For for someone to have, you know, to want to start out and farm and do it the right way. I mean, it is. I mean, you almost have to win the lottery, and and, and that's if you don't have if you don't have the capital to begin with. I mean, with land prices at minimum ten thousand, you're seeing twenty thousand dollars an acre, and this is on hundreds of acres of land. I mean. Uh, who has a million dollars to, or two million dollars, just to turn around and, and pay for that? I mean, it's 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 um, it's a lot, and I think um, you know, I, and and I, I've been battling with this, uh, you know. To Ryan Baker Farms, you know, it's it's it's. Um, I, I think we're learning pretty quickly that we can do a lot on a small scale. You know, I finished. Two beef cows on le- uh, on less than thirty acres, and I'm, I've got and I had a third one with them. So and and she's pregnant right now, and we have in here pretty soon. So uh, to to answer the question though, yeah, I, I think you know in the situation we're in, it's it's a great idea. Uh, hopefully we can we can you know find some people, and I, I don't know if it's a secret or not, but I've been you know uh, in conversations. I think Mister Monday has too with uh, Doctor Tom and. He's very interested in, in uh, you know, get you know, fronting some land and, and uh, you know, making it available to crusaders. Oh so, no, he's made, uh, he, he no, he's he he has made the offer, and the land is uh, near a, a a wildlife reserve or a national or a state park of some sort. Um, uh, and uh, we're pursuing the same idea. You know, I'm reading uh, Hilary Belloc's Economics for Helen book. And in chapter number three, he deals with capital, and, and it ultimately makes sense. You know, you have to have labor, you have to have land, and you have to have capital. The three things you have to have. So what Joe Burrow and company are doing, and what we're talking about, what I'm suggesting and gently goading the Angel Investor Group and Crusaders to donate or to invest in the Angel Investor Group to do, okay, let's tick one of those boxes or two of those boxes. Let's help tick the box of land and then tick the box of capital. Now, you, Farmer McGillicuddy, that's a Crusade Channel listener and is hearing this, 
you hear about this and you raise your hand like, I'll take five acres. If you'll lease me five acres, Angel Investor Group, I'll take it. And I'll try to meet the 1% return on what you say the land cost. To me, I don't see anything inherently or intrinsically wrong or disordered about this way. And then maybe at the end of the, if this is repeated, like by Michael Jadis up in New York with the, uh, uh, the Catholic land movement up in New York. In Virginia, they're seeing a mammoth, Brian, a massive, massive return to the land and reacquisition of farmland and private property thanks to Joel Salatin's efforts. There in Texas, you have some efforts. In Kentucky, like Todd McClure. Yeah, he didn't hesitate when he was given the chance to buy that land. He took that land from someone that wasn't going to use it and wasn't going to farm it. Um, uh, this is happening in Michigan and in other places. So um, uh, I'm all for this, and I think that if they look, if they can put the money together, we don't have football player salaries, but we do have some numbers. That this ought to be a goal for this group is what I'm saying. And scale. What can we do in scale? Maybe it's just one ten acres. Maybe that's all we can do. In the first five, two years or whatever, but I think we should pursue it. Is what I'm saying. Definitely, I'm not. I'm not poo pooing on the idea at all. I just no. I know you I'm aren't. Kind of, kind of uh, you know, just kind of going with the background of it because it is, it is, uh, you know, it's it, and it's going to take a lot of effort and knowledge and you know other things. And you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I can cover a lot of areas. But there's a lot of people out there that have a lot, you know, more different skills than I do, too, that we can, you know, I, I think that can bring in ideas and stuff as well, you know, as far as production and everything. So, you know, we, you know, we can, I, th- I think the, the key is to being successful on this is focusing on diverse operations, not just chicken, not just beef, you know, but but rotating in, you know, and you can, you know, on 10 acres, you can do a lot with chickens and turkeys and vegetables and pigs, you know, you know, and, and, and use different parts of the farm. And it, and it goes into that, what we call that crop rotation and, and animal rotation. So you can fit all that into the umbrella and become holistic in your, in your operation and, you know, stack enterprises and, you know, come in with these different ideas. I mean, beehives take up a little bit of room on a part of the property. I mean, if you're producing honey, that's that's pretty good money maker. Once you get everything established, you know, the bees start making the honey, and it's it's. I wouldn't say they're totally maintenance free, but it's a lot less maintenance than a lot of other things. You know, there's there's lots of things you could bring in and 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 have different enterprises and stuff, and that's what that's what made. Salatin successful. That's what made Gabe Brown successful. Um, you look at uh, you know Whitehurst, uh, not Whitehurst, uh, White Oak Pastures. Uh, you know uh, Will Harris. They weren't just selling one thing. You know they were really they weren't doing what know, we call monoculture. Absolutely, yeah, and and they they are some of the most successful. And uh, you know it's, it's interesting. I bring up Will Harris, and we you know we talked about him a month ago or so, a couple months ago, about the greenwashing. Well, you know, he was the first person, his, his American-raised grass-finished beef was the first American grass-finished beef sold at Whole Foods. I don't, and 
they Whole Foods has now dropped him because. Hey, let me just say, say that I went looking just quickly. I want to interject something, Brian, uh, and, and and for you to Mitter Monday. I went looking over the Christmas uh, holiday. I went into a Kroger. And, and uh, I went to two stores. I went to a Rouse's and I went to a Kroger. Uh, in both instances, I looked at the grass-fed beef that they had that was available. On neither of the two packages, all it would say was, this is a product of the USA. And I went, that's it right there. That is not you. That is not American Ray's grass-fed beef. That's the crap that they're smuggling in, that that they claim is in both. It was two different companies. It said product of the USA. One of the last shows of the year that we did, we were talking about this greenwashing that uh, Will Harris was ringing the bell uh, uh, to everyone about going like, this isn't America. None of this was grown in the United States. None of it, Brian. None of it. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that's the thing. You know, all it was was. It may have been packaged in a facility and and uh, at the USDA inspects. Yeah, in Long Beach, California, where it came in off the ship. You know, yep. I mean that it, 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 that's all, that's all that's all the requirement. That's it. That's the country of origin labeling. Uh, cool, C O O L is the acronym. But yeah, that's you know that's another another battle. And if you know your guy that you can look across the street or look across the pasture and say, Hey, I want to buy that beef. You you know, that's American beef. Or if you're in Canada, you know, it's Canadian, but you know, it's locally right. And people may not, and people may not know this, but like here in Louisiana, we have the LADA and you can get an LADA certification. All you got to do is have the inspector there when the cow is shot in the head. And if he's shot in the head properly and the place passes the clean inspection, he leaves. That, that was told to me by a Louisiana a slaughterhouse guy. He told me, like, well, I said, what do you have to do to get the LADA label? And he said, it's pretty simple. I invite the inspector on slaughter day. He comes and stands right where you're standing, and he watched me shoot him in the head. And as long as they drop, as long as I don't miss, um, and then they, uh, they, 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 they see that the, uh, the, the, the process of actually slaughtering the animal um, is, is done according to, you know, to the, the method that, that, that they prescribe or they think is done, they leave. They don't come inspect the meat afterwards. They don't inspect the aging process, the cutting process, anything of the sort. All they, 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 they're there to ensure that the animals are being uh, killed for the slaughter in a humane fashion. And that's pretty much it here in Louisiana, brother. Yeah, yeah. It, I don't know what it's I, like I, in I, Texas. It, it's pretty, pretty similar. I think uh, you know every in all your bureaucracies, you can get some real jackasses though. Sure. That will, that you know, but because they have a badge or whatever. But I mean, it's I, I, I think you know in, in a lot of states, like especially in the South, you have a lot of hands off type in, in a lot of these programs, which is which is a good thing. It and, is. And, you know, even in Texas, do they have uh, the cottage laws where you can produce a lot of stuff in your home uh, with minimal, um, you know, I, 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 you know, people worry about, you know, germs and everything else. But, I mean, if you're producing it for yourself, I'm pretty sure, and, you know, when you're producing it for other people, you're going to take the same standards and of cleanliness and, and, and freshness and everything else. 
that you're going to apply to your family to other people. So. And, and to that end, Dan Mundy, let me go to Dan Mundy. Mitter Mundy, uh, there are not a lot of stories that I read, and I read a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stories. I don't see very many stories of homesteading small farmers being poisoned by listeria or E. coli or salmonella. Seems to me that people that are raising their own food for their own consumption but do it pretty well, and uh, there really is no need to be, uh, there's no need for them to be regulated. No, it's, it's just overreach in, in regulation. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, New Jersey just recently uh, has uh, put in some cottage laws for baked goods so that people can actually start, you know, baking things and selling them wherever the outlet market they want to do. Surprisingly, Vermont, you know, where all the hippies are, I mean, they're, they're, they're fighting because they're very strict up there about it. Which you know, I, I mean, just I, I wouldn't intuitively have thought of that until I start. You know, you read about it. But oh, they're you know, nut, they're not, nuts. In, in well, I mean, they're, they're not bad. But I mean, you, know, you would have thought that that kind of stuff they would they would have backed off on. And working in a very large mega food plant, even though it's dog food, and we're doing four million pounds or more a month, we got plenty of listeria and other bacteria problems. Let me tell you. Well, I'm not so, saying they don't exist. I'm not saying the yeah, listeria yeah, doesn't yeah, exist. No, but it's the idea that, well, because you know, we're inspected and we've got a big facility and we've got a whole bunch of stainless steel all over the obviously we can make a better product here. Uh, um, you, want me, you want me to tell the dirt on it? I mean, it, 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 We got stainless steel here, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you, know, you, spent, you spent $120 million and you still got problems. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not, you know, it's not easy to overcome. And, you know, it's much easier. If you read, read Salatin's book, especially back in the 90s, he'd tell you that like like Meta Bryan said, the two best things cl- cleansers there are: sunlight and rain. <laughs> and he was big on it. I do it outside, and I let the rain wash this away. And the inspector may come and he says, "What score are you doing?" I do it right there. All right, we'll see I, how clean it is. So. Let me go back to Brian K. This year, listening to Free Farm Friday here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be, farming the way it should be. Brian, I want to pivot here now in our final segment of Free Farm Friday, and I want to talk about taters. Because tater season is here. Uh, it looks like where you and I live, that according to Haas, the Haas Sea Company, looks like you and I are in either zone 9 or zone 8 for taters. Getting my potatoes. No, wait, 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 wait you, you, you're on mute. It looks like we're in either zone 8 or zone 9 for taters. Yes, uh, I'm, I know I'm in zone nine, and my potatoes will be going in the ground uh, around the first of February. Okay, uh, so that's what it says for nine. It looks like I that that uh, Maggie and I and those of us here on the north shore of New, of New Orleans, in St. Tammany Parish, Tangipahoa Parish. Uh, that looks like. Um, St. Tammany, Tangipahoa, uh, what's it, Washington Parish. It looks like we're in that orange zone, which would be zone 8, just above you. That would put me at February 15th to February the 28th. But, I mean, I'm right on the cusp of 9, too. So I would be looking yeah, at if, fe- February the 1st, right? If, if, yeah, if you, if you are eager to get them in, I don't anticipate it being too bad. I mean, I... I had potatoes on the ground uh, in Mega, what, what, what would we call it, Snowmageddon in 2021. And I, I did lose some, but uh, it was about 30%. So, you know, uh, if we get another big shot of cold air, um, you know, just 
cover them accordingly and uh, just make sure the tops are, are protected and stuff. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's that time. And, and this year, with the availability of hay so limited, I'm going to probably have to work up some ground and put my potatoes in the ground, which, you know, I've, I, I've pretty successful at it before, so... Now, now, you, you, know, you mean the hay is is, is is in short supply, or it's just expensive? It's 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 short supply, inexpensive, and I can't guarantee if I can I, if I can't find any that hasn't been sprayed with Grazon. Oh, I that's don't. right! You've got to get the hay that's clean. You can't just throw any hay yeah. out. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, I've got a lot of hay around me, but it's beautiful coastal Bermuda that is horse quality hay and. Good chance it's probably got grays on in the field because it's pretty clean hay. So, well, I'm, I just happen I'm, to know where there's two acres in southwest Louisiana that I can just let it grow for <laughs> until the first of until the first of March uh, that has not been sprayed with any grays on. <laughs> yeah, or you could harvest it, let it grow in the fall because I bet you have some grasses that that uh, max out in the fall, and you can uh, get a. Uh, you know, you could hand cut it almost. Get a hand side, or I'm dude, sure dude. I've seen the dude. I've seen the champion hand hand side cutter. He's faster than a freaking bush hog. Yeah, yeah. But but a bush hog is, you know, if you're limited on time and 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 uh, <laughs> and, and weekends or whatever, you know, bush hog does come in nicely. And I, I bet I bet your father in law. Could, would would help you out, Mike. Uh, I think. I well, look, I'm surrounded by 80 acres also that uh, has not been sprayed by Grazon. It's just been dumped. It's just been dumped on by a very angry and horny bull that keeps me and yeah. Maggie up late at night with his cawing at the at the heifers across the way. <laughs> he never stopped. But there's bull droppings everywhere. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't have access to the to it to the first spring cut. So um, if if that's my case, and I want to plant taters at Walsing and West and go ahead and order them from Haas or someone today, you said you're going to go ahead and break ground. Uh, what are you, are you, so you're not going to, to just throw them two inches under and cover them with hay. You're going to go deeper. Am I am I understanding that? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the get put the tines on the tiller and work up a spot and put them on the ground. I mean, okay, I so you are going spot. to till. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, remember, if you remember my talk from the Congress, you know, your context. And right now my context is I, I'm going to have to use the tiller. Okay. But I'm, I'm understanding why and, and everything, and I'm going to understand what's going to happen after I use the tiller. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience weed problems and hopefully not compaction because I'll have, by that time, you know, the oak leaves, the live oaks, they drop, you know, like three or four times a year. So I should have enough oak leaves to cover the ground. Afterward, yeah, so. and it, I've got tons. If I just get a go go to Pennington's and go buy a rake between the little the circle of, uh, across the way from me uh, that holds the the uh, the, the tree, trees uh, that the, you drive around a cul-de-sac between my yard and the neighbor's yard and just around me, I could probably I could probably rake up four to six fifty-gallon garbage bag size. Containers of, of of they're not all oak leaves, but they all are brown and, and rather large. Yeah, no, that's good. If you have it, I'm sure. Oh, dude, I can. I, you know what? I'm going to go do it. To, that's going to be my task tomorrow. I'm going to rake and leaves. Just, 
just going to knock doors. Hey, can, do you mind if I rake your lawn? I bet they wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my next door neighbor's Don. Hey, Don, do you mind if I rake your lawn? And he's going to go, Mike, I'm the Hispanic here. I'm supposed to be raking lawns. No. He's got a really sense, good sense of humor. Like He'll laugh go, uh, hey, man, go ahead. Knock your lights out. In this neighborhood, they'll call the cops on you. Yeah, some of them will. Okay, so let's get back to cases here. Uh, so Brian is in the. Brian and I uh, are in Zone Nine, and it would look to me like uh, Ashley, uh, daughter number three, and the Smarts, and many of you that are in uh, Central and uh, Northern Florida and across the, the lower parts of the Panhandle are all in the same uh, uh, Zone Nine. Brian, is there a Zone Nine tater that grows better than others for our Southern listeners who may be interested in planting them? This year i've had good luck with lasota reds if you want a red skin i've had good luck with uh uh gold they're, they're a golden one you had to ask me now i can't remember the name of the variety um but it's a uh a gold, uh yukon gold that's what i've had good luck with those okay i think i think generally potatoes they're 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 pretty pretty adaptable uh, but uh, I, you know, the, the the a lot of your redskins and stuff do really well, especially in your more you know alluvial soils and stuff uh, like I have. But um, even in the sandy soils, uh, you know, you, you can you can definitely get some production because you know they're able to to bulb out and make a lot. So uh, you know, your you know a lot of the your places if your local feed store. We'll probably have the best variety you can find uh, for your area. If they stock it, that's the one to get. You know, I asked my uh, the, uh, the 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 local feed store that I went to in December with my father-in-law. And I asked the lady, I said, do you know when you're going to be getting your splits in? And she said, oh, usually the first two weeks, January, I don't have an exact date. And I said, well, I'd like to get on a waiting list. And she looked at me like, really? And so she goes, okay, just fill this little invoice and put your name and your phone number. Uh, now, she hasn't called me yet. I think she may have forgotten about me. But while I w- we were browsing around and, ch- and, 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 and shopping for other stuff, she made the phone call, and she, she, she told me, she goes, we'll be getting them in the week after January the 5th. So they probably have them there now. And that's where I mm-hmm. bought my red slips from last year, my, uh, my new potatoes, as they're called. And I think Maggie and I bought five pounds, and I, we did four buckets or three buckets. And um, I think we hosted probably a total of maybe... 12, 15 potatoes, but I was just limited by the size of the buckets. Um, I don't think I want to do the buckets because I want more potatoes because I saw the potential. Wait a minute, this wasn't hard at all. Now, my my follow-up question is going to be, and I think Mitter Monday grows taters too. Mitter Monday, uh, are you a potato guy? Uh, No, I haven't done it for a lot of years. I did do some last year, and I did for the first time just experiment with the tower. And what I did was off the front of the, my one kitchen garden, I took some hog panel, if everybody's familiar with hog panel, and I kind of made a, a triangle. Okay. And I put a, I put a perforated pipe down in it so I could, uh, you know, get water down to the bottom and put a hose on top. And I, you know, did, did layers with, with straw and, and manure. And I, I didn't take the time I needed to prepare the dirt. I was running for time. I said, well, I got these slips. I got to get them in. So I did it. And... Yeah, I, I, I was. It wasn't as successful as I was hoping it was to be. But my wife went and got them all out, and she started cooking them. She said they were a Yukon Gold variety. She said, 
these are really good, and I will say from it, they were. So all I got to do is get the volume up, and and it had more to, more for me to do with with. Uh, sloppy preparation than it did with with a poor crop, but oh. uh, I think the polls got a picture of him. He was out there. He saw them. They were growing like mad. I did. But, I did uh, see them. Well, let me ask you another question. We're running out of time, Brian. Uh, Brian K. Um, uh, one of the uh, bucket potato farmer guys that I saw on YouTube, um, and some of his method to me worked for him. Again, in context, didn't necessarily work for us for the white potatoes, but he counseled putting bone meal in the soil. Do you put bone meal in your tater soil? I don't. I use that's what I use the wood ash. Uh, I got lots of wood ash, brother. I've been barbecuing a storm since September. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I got bags can, of wood I ash. Mean, I don't think any more nutrients hurt. So if you have bone meal, use it. I mean, it's not. I mean, I don't like that. It's, I so other I, than I don't, I don't, we're gonna run, we're gonna run out of time, and I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. But other than rolling my slips in the wood ash, are you saying? Some wood ash that I have left over, just spread it out throughout the soil. That's good. You could, yeah, and put it put it on all your garden. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It's a good, it's a good, it's a good amendment. Okay. You know, it's, it's, so it's it's not it's not going to hurt anything. Um, got those broken down nutrients from the burnt wood. So. Well, I'm just going to make an announcement. It's not a paid commercial endorsement at all. But Hoss H O S S Tools dot com is taking orders for potato slips that they will ship at the in late January. So if you're looking in your own, you're, where do I get these things called tater slips, King Dude? You don't give me any information I can use. Well, let me give you some. HossTools.com. I'm sure that Park Seed probably has them too, and Johnny Seed and the other ones as well. So it's your preference. Uh, I think I'm going to go with Yukon Gold and the Reds this year. And I'm going to go for a larger quantity than we did last year, and I actually want to do them in the ground. So uh, maybe we sell the house today or for the people that come by and look at it, and I'm planting them at Walsingham and West. But, Brian, potatoes are pretty low maintenance um, as long as there's just a consistent rain, right? I don't need to be yeah. there. If I planted them at Walsingham and West, I don't need to be there and be stressing out if it doesn't rain for 10 days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you've been getting pretty, plenty of rain and stuff, they'll be fine for, you know, Ten days, but I mean, we're uh, we're Walsingham West. Is it seems like it rains every other day? So. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, and I'm going to have a, a, a tree cutting down uh, party day one day in uh, February. You're you all are invited to come. Just uh, <laughs> got some big trees. I got to cut. Maggie's looking at me like, why do you need any help? Maybe I just want to drink beer with them. And then cut a tree down. Just invite them over to have beer. I'm going to invite them over to have beer, but they're going to help me cut that tree down, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. We're off to a great start here on 2023 with Free Farm Friday. I want to thank our master farmers, Brian Koch and Dan Mundy. Remember, you can find both of them hiding in plain sight at upontheserocks.co. Uh, Justin, I know you're in the room listening. Make me uh, remind me to cut an upontheserocks.co uh, website promo so I can drive traffic there to the new Christendom Trade and Business Directory, which all of you should be registered in. I'm not kidding. Uh, and I know I don't do a, very, a, a, a great job of promoting it and reminding people, but it is there, and the directory does work very well. The filters on it work very well. So I encourage you, if you're doing anything regenerative or you know someone, you got a farmer's market, you got a seed place that's local, don't ask. Just go register them in the directory so that everyone will have access to that information. Mr. Mundy, God bless you. 
We'll talk. Uh, we'll see. We'll see you next week. Next week, um, I think I might have a, a special guest, um, or actually, I have two people that uh, that, that want to be guests. I just got to figure out when we can get them on. Um, but the yeah, next next Free Farm Friday show that we're going to do, we're going to talk about the differences between herbicides, fungicides, and pesticides, because most people don't know the difference. I read that article and went like, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that, that's you know we we throw the terms around, but. Uh, I will not be there on the 25th. I am going to the 25th annual Working Wood in the 18th Century program down at what is now disappointed me is the very woke Colonial Williamsburg. So uh, don't schedule it that day. <laughs> if, you want me in on, if you want me in on it. All right. Well, we do. And uh, thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next week then. All right, Mitter Monday. Uh, Mitter Coke, same, uh, same to you. We'll, uh, we will uh, thank you for uh, being with us here today and for all of your guidance and expertise. And Fish, I'll uh, see you next week. It sounds good. And God bless you all. And thanks for having me. And uh, also, uh, I'm going to be starting tomatoes and peppers uh, as well seedling so today zone zone well this week so zone zone eighters and niners if you want to get an early crop in oh yeah uh that sounds fantastic uh well let's do a show on that one maybe we'll do that next week Sounds good. If the guests don't pan out, we'll make that a show, and we'll talk about fungicides, pesticides, and herbicides. All right, folks, that's all the time that we have here for today. Fungicides, pesticides, and herbicides. All right, folks, that's all the time that we have here for today.